Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Hey everyone, Dr. Hondorp here, and really excited to talk to you about this topic today. So today we're going to reflect on some of the things I've noticed and learned in having different conversations in and around intuitive eating and working with my clients. So we're going to dive into several different questions, including can you be an intuitive eater and still follow a certain style of eating like a mostly plant-based diet or Mediterranean diet or intermittent fasting even. So um, heads up, I know these are complicated questions and answers are also nuanced. So I'm excited to dive into them. And as always, you probably know that the answer is always going to be, it depends. And knowing yourself is going to be a big part of that process. So we're gonna dive into that question. We're also going to talk about how to know if you are really listening to your body or if you're giving into pressures from others with regards to what you feel like you should eat. And we're also going to talk about what if you feel like, oh, I really want to be, let's say, I don't know, vegan or more plant-based or really any eating style, but you're worried that it'll become yet another diet. How can you tell what your true underlying motivation actually is? So one of the things that I've noticed in my time in the field is how confused people get when we say the word diet, Um, understandably so. It's almost, I almost have this sort of reaction of like trying to not say that word, but this post and episode is going to break down some of the ways and things that are harmful truly about dieting and some of the aspects that are less harmful or pretty harmless. For example, you just using the word diet to describe a pattern of eating or how you're eating, right? So like when I say the Mediterranean diet, I'm not talking about some rigid plan. I'm just talking about a style of eating that's been attributed to folks in the Mediterranean region. So this is gonna vary from person to person, but when we really understand what about diet mentality is not helpful, then we can really dive into how to, you know, within an intuitive eating framework, make some choices that work for us. So we're going to talk about some ways to know where you're at in your journey, help you focus on what's important now versus getting thrown off track by 
all the bombardment of health messages that we get all of the time. So excited to dive in with you. And just as a reminder, the podcast and blog content is all for educational and informational purposes only and should never be construed as any form of professional advice. You should always work with a professional if you are struggling in any of these areas. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. You might be wondering what this blog and podcast are all about. So we relate everything in this podcast back to motivation, but not the hustle and grind kind of motivation. We're talking about truly sustainable motivation that helps you feeling energetic and engaged in your life for the long haul. We talk about why I'm just not motivated is a myth, why the type of motivation you have is so important to fully understand. So if you're ready to dive in, learn about actual motivation and what how it really works, learn about respecting your body in an effective way so you can live a life you truly love, then you are in the right place. So check out the foundational episodes of Motivation Made Easy by going to the link in the show notes. You'll find the introduction in the first four episodes are really our foundational information. And then before we dive in, I have to share with you the quote from my journal many years ago. I'm terrified I'm wasting my life. I wrote this in a journal in the depths of the diet binge cycle. And frankly, I kind of was. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to gain control of your eating, respect your body, and live a life that's truly consistent with your values and being the person you want to be. But you need to take that first step. One of the very first crucial steps in developing truly autonomous motivation, body respecting motivation, is to clarify what actually matters to you. Not your mom, not your sister, not your best friend, you. The more you reflect on this, the more you can connect your values to your behaviors in a sustainable way. And this is true for really any behavior, eating, exercise, financial behavior, what you buy, things like that. So make sure you grab the free guide available at drhondorp.com forward slash goals and get started today. I promise you it's never too late to stop dieting and truly start living and you are not going to regret it. All right, so let's dive in to talking about intuitive eating as a framework, not dogma or rigidity. So I fully believe in intuitive eating. We're going to talk about that. And I think of it as a framework with which we give people choice. So it's a self-care framework, and we've talked about it in previous episodes, but it was really introduced in 1995 with a book called Intuitive Eating, written by dietitians Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. And it's an incredible book. It's now in its fourth edition, and I highly recommend you grab a copy of it. Um, If you do want to support my podcast, there's a link to the show notes to grab a copy with my bookshop link, which supports my podcast, as well as independent bookstores near you. So win-win. I did a prior episode called What is Intuitive Eating and How It Can Help Me, where we went into the 10 principles of eating in more depth. And I'm also going to be having some guests coming up talking more about how they implemented intuitive eating and some of the challenges and how they worked through that. So make sure you stay tuned for those. They'll be coming up in the next several weeks. But today we're going to be talking about intuitive eating as a framework for regaining autonomy and choice and control over your over your eating behavior. So as a reminder, autonomous motivation or autonomous choice 
is freedom to behave a certain way without excessive pressure. So there's many components to intuitive eating. One that I believe is incredibly powerful with regards to autonomous motivation and feeling free and in control is the concept of unconditional permission to eat. I will say also that intuitive eating just does a nice job of describing diet culture. And I think of diet culture as something we all are sort of breathing just like air and we don't even realize it. So it, it also, when we think about the excessive pressure, we have to understand where that pressure is coming from. And even if we feel like we fully internalize the pressure, it still came from somewhere. But the concept of unconditional permission to eat is really letting go of the diet culture pressure that there are certain food rules and shoulds that you need to follow that are good and truly giving yourself unconditional permission to eat really means opening up choice and allowing yourself to figure out an eating style that truly is right for you. So for most, this is going to require a good deal of trial and error, particularly at the beginning, as you are essentially learning how to eat in response to your body's cues versus some external expert telling you what to eat. This is pretty challenging. Well, very challenging. And I would say it's more challenging for some of us than others. And it depends on sort of what work you've done. It probably depends on the pressures you feel in your life. It probably depends on your body size and um, a lot of other factors. But it's important to make sure we figure out how to give ourselves true choice so we can move beyond old food judgments that are just essentially ingrained. So a lot of times when I see someone struggling to implement intuitive eating, they're struggling with the concept that it is truly okay to eat any food. Many times old diet mentality and should thinking fears around food has them thinking things like, well, there's no nutritional value in this food, so I really shouldn't eat it. Or, but if I eat it, I'll feel really badly. So I really can't, I'll feel badly physically and emotionally. So I, I truly can't eat this, Sean. I don't know why you keep telling me I have choice. Or they might say, well, yeah, don't be rigid, but I really don't need to eat the whole pizza. That's not healthy. Or I can't do intuitive eating. I have diabetes or some other health condition. I can't do this. My body mass index says I'm obese. I have to, I have, this is not for me. And I think the interesting thing about intuitive eating is it really is the fact that many people don't believe they have a choice is the problem. And so you always have a choice. Yes, some food choices are going to make you feel better than others. Some food choices, if you make them again and again, absolutely could lead to worsening health. But it's still a choice even when it doesn't feel like it. And typically, when we're in the diet cycle, we are not giving ourselves true choice. So if you're like most people, you might be having some objections right now, like, Sean, you're not really getting this. I, I don't have choice. Like, I have to improve my health now so I can X, Y, Z, whatever. And I get that, but stay with me here because this is important. So again, this is the thing I hear a lot. Like, Sean, I really don't have choice. I have to change this now. This is not a choice. This is something I have to do. So a few months ago, I gave a virtual talk to some folks who were working on finishing their dissertations. That was like their sort of focus. And I was talking about 
motivation, autonomous motivation, how to turn a should into a want to or choose to. And I shared that it's important to remind yourself you actually have a choice. So like you can finish your dissertation or not. It's your life. You actually do have autonomy and that can increase motivation. So one of the participants in the talk challenged me on this and she's like, no, I really don't have a choice. If I don't finish, I'll have to pay back money that I got for a scholarship. I need to finish so I can get a job and not have to pay that money back and support my children. She seemed maybe a little bit frustrated with the idea or the suggestion that she had a choice. And I'm not sure, but I imagine she might've thought I didn't really understand her situation. So it's important to remember that we do always have a choice, even when there are really negative consequences to making a certain choice. So that example, like if she made the choice not to finish, she would definitely have some negative consequences. But I hear this all the time with eating, right? I don't have a choice. I have to eat better. This happened a lot when I was working in a cardiology clinic. So I'd work with folks who were in cardiac rehab after they had a heart attack. And so a lot of times they would you know, be following your low sodium, low animal product diet. And they would say, I have to do this now. I have no choice, Sean. And they a lot of times had concerned family members nagging them about every morsel they put into their mouth, which understandably they were not a fan of. And again, I would challenge them on this and remind them that they actually do have a choice. And right now they're choosing to follow that eating pattern and sort of follow the advice of their doctor and listen to their family. And it's really important to say that my statements are not an attempt to minimize consequences. If this person were to choose to return to a previous high animal protein and high stress diet, there would be some potential really bad negative consequences. But it's just an attempt to remind people and you that you do have agency in your life, even when it doesn't feel like it. And just as a side note too, I'm not going to delve into the discussion today about like whether all behaviors are a choice versus a part of a disease. Uh, this is a really important discussion, but it's super nuanced and we don't really have time to delve into it today. So what I'm referring to here is really people feeling forced into making a certain choice because of external pressures. I must be thin. I must be healthy. And not to mention that it's the reality that it's easier to be in a smaller body in our world. And there's reality that in itself is pressure. But we have to try to figure out like uncouple what is external pressure and what have I internalized? What messages have I internalized about it? And how is that impacting me? So there's kind of a lot to unpack. But uh, same thing, like I pressure, I must finish this doctoral program versus feeling like you have autonomy and agency over the choices you make in your life. And I will say too that if you've had less choice and less privilege, it can probably, I, I imagine it could feel even more stifling, even more like you don't have choice. So yeah, that's something to consider as well. So as we go delve into intuitive eating and how choice really means food freedom, again, supplies to food and other things, Another example, when I was in grad school, my friend, uh, Sapna Doshi, who I had on a previous episode, she and I would sort of commiserate on the length of the program. And, you know, it's a long haul, five or six years after undergrad, depending on how quickly you go through it. But we'd often tell each other, okay, just finish your master's and then 
you can quit if you want. And we were, you know, mostly joking, uh, I think. But it made us feel better, made us feel less stuck. And, you know, mind you, it would have been a really bad financial choice to do this. Um, so, but it was still just sort of the giving yourself the choice in the moment can help to free up autonomy, free up pressure, and feel a little bit more free to do whatever it is that you choose. So I don't, I'm curious if you guys have ever done this, you know, send me a message or on one of the platforms. But if you've ever done this, you remind yourself you have choices, you have an out, options to feel less pressure or less stuck. Um, I've done this with work too. Like even if I don't plan on leaving a job anytime soon, I would say, hey, if it gets too bad, you have options. And even just the process of job searching sometimes could feel like, okay, I'm not stuck. I have choices here. So I can't tell you how many friends in grad school would sort of fantasize about like, if this doesn't work out, I'm just gonna, we'd all have like our own little things that we would do. But I remember one friend, it was like, I'll just open a cute little coffee or smoothie shop. And that was just felt like a freeing choice. Um, so, and again, remember that having more choice, having more choices is a privilege. Not everyone has the same choices or opportunities. This is a major problem and something that needs to change. And the whole conversation, frankly, about moving away from diet culture and towards intuitive eating and health is a conversation filled with a lot of privilege. Um, but I do still think it's relevant to all people, but everyone's coming at this from a different background and a different set of privileges. Um, as someone who has a lot of forms of privilege, I realize that sometimes people might feel frustrated with my messages or reminders simply because they might feel misunderstood and they might be misunderstood at times because it's, you know, takes a lot of time to understand everyone and where they're coming from. And, and frankly, that's all valid. It's all allowed. So, so as it, it probably doesn't seem too much like I am, hopefully, but I definitely don't claim to understand all situations, how you feel about your eating, your weight, your choices, and the things you can make with regards to your body and your health. Um, and that's really one of my points about intuitive eating or the way I think about it. It's a framework under this framework. You can have full autonomy and control over your life and your choices, eating, exercise, whatever other self care. I just know that even when your choices are more limited, reminding yourself that you do have them can be a source of empowerment and developing autonomy and ownership. So that's where the power of intuitive eating lies, in my opinion, it's in freedom of choice. So how does this apply to how intuitive eating framework does or doesn't jive with vegan or plant-based diets or frankly, any eating pattern? So I often talk to people who think intuitive eating must mean you have to follow a really unstructured, free-flowing eating pattern where you wake up and you eat whatever your heart desires all day. You can't follow a vegan diet. That wouldn't be intuitive eating, or you can't follow plant-based or even intermittent fasting. Like none of these things could ever truly be intuitive eating. And I see this even in the body acceptance anti-diet online space. It can become sort of dogmatic and rigid at times with regards to the message. So we talked in back in episode eight with Jen Radke about like this message. Sometimes you even see like 
people making assumptions. Like if you're exercising four times a week, you must be in diet mentality. And she had sort of shared that as one example, but this happens all the time. And I think this is just something we have to be aware of. It's human nature to make these types of statements of like certainty statements. But of course, how would we know if someone's in diet mentality without being in their body and their mind? So again, intuitive eating is really a framework and a way of relating to food and yourself. And within that framework, you truly can choose any eating style and exercise pattern you like, and maybe eventually ends up being fully vegan or even resembles a paleo keto style eating or maybe even intermittent fasting. We'll talk in a little bit. All of these things you have to be immensely like careful about in terms of being honest with yourself. I've talked before about you do not want to toe the line. And I would say in the process of it determining intuitive eating, you probably don't want to have too much structure on amount or type. But again, what you end up eating or the way you end up eating could look a variety of ways is the whole idea here. So for most people, this is a process, right? And so it's going to be a process of asking yourself questions. Inside um, the program, my online program, the Body Respect Program, we, um, one of our participants helped me come up with the name, the Diet Mentality Litmus Test. And we go into more depth in, in there, but some of the questions you're going to want to ask yourself are, am I really doing this because I think I'll feel good and or it's consistent with my values or the way I want to show up in the world? Or do I just think I should? Am I feeling the pressure that I have to do this eating style to drop weight quickly, even if I really don't think it's like a very healthful way to eat or live for me? Or am I eating this way due to overfocus on weight loss? Is weight loss, the goal of weight loss often overrides true nutrition or nourishing our bodies and, you know, a style of eating that would actually feel good. So again, just being really honest with yourself of where the desire to follow this eating plan or style comes from. And I guess I will say too that like, I think there's a big difference between a rigid eating plan that tells you how much to eat versus sort of a meal planner. So I talk about the forks over knives meal planner that we've used for years. And all that is, is you input three meals a day and then it makes a grocery list and a cooking list for you automatically. But we are not, first of all, the amounts are kind of a lot. So you usually have leftovers. There's no prescribed amounts. It's just like basically a meal prep system to help you like find your groceries and stuff. So I think that's much different than I'm eating a cup of rice and a cup of beans. And like that feels very different for me. Um, but again, you're the boss of you, you get to decide, but I think there's a big difference there. And same thing with, um, really any eating style, like intermittent fasting, if it's super rigid, I would be a little bit more skeptical that it could feel sustainable. So your relationship with food is always the number one priority. So I think for, and this probably will depend on person to person, but for most of the people I work with, it's really important to think about your relationship with food and even exercise first and foremost we can get so caught up on the frequency of how much I'm eating this and that. And it's truly about the long-term game and your relationship with your body and yourself that matters the most. You're building that foundation. And so it's 
it's something that we have to always come back to. How is this impacting my relationship with food? Because that is going to matter for your health, arguably much more than what specifically you put in your mouth in a given day. Um, we are in it for the long-term game and we're laying this solid foundation of body respect and body trust. And the right eating pattern probably is going to change over time. Maybe, maybe not. But um, like for me, I read intuitive eating. I definitely was not following any specific eating style. I was just kind of eating what I liked. And um, interestingly, though, I, I sort of later in life, I was still kind of eating, trying to eat foods that I thought were good for me or would keep me more full because we hear like turkey and, and chicken have good protein and I never liked those foods. I was just eating them because I thought I should to like stay full. And I think trying to cook foods that I thought my husband liked or that would help him stay full. And then, but I hate cooking chicken at home. I think it's gross. And I still sometimes eat it when I go out. But anyways, like when I did a little bit more research and learned a little bit about plant-based eating styles and how you can have a really balanced diet with a plant-based eating style that really appealed to me because I think meat is kind of gross. So it was truly from a preference standpoint, but, and as I've shared previously, it's also about a disease risk standpoint and a cancer risk standpoint for our family. So there was, but it was at this point, I was very grounded in a non-diet healthy relationship with food. So I really wasn't worried at all about an eating pattern, trying something new. And I am a little <laughs> slightly embarrassed to admit that I even tried this like three day sort of like low calorie beach body thing. I think it was called like the three day reset or something, which I highly do not recommend. I found it, but I truly was just curious. Like I wasn't, I don't know. I just was like, eh, I wonder how I'll feel. And I, but I was so grounded in what I was doing that I like, I didn't go back to diet mentality. And in fact, I was like, I don't like this. I don't feel good. And I added some food to it and I found it incredibly unhelpful and just sort of a waste of time and a little bit of money. But, um, you know, I think my, my point is that as you get more grounded in a non-dieting approach, it's a little bit easier to, I wouldn't recommend doing stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know why I even did that particular three-day thing, but it did open me up to say like, yeah, I'm going to try this eating style. And, but again, the plant-based eating style that we follow is very, very, very flexible. So that's what works for me. That's what works for us. You are a different human and you're going to look different. So, but I will say that it doesn't always feel like it in the moment, but you absolutely can and will learn to trust yourself with food and these decisions. It's going to be a, a different timeline for everyone, a different process. But I think the thing that sometimes gets lost in the nuance of social media is that an anti-diet or non-diet approach is very much not anti-health. It's just the opposite. It's just that we're prioritizing the food relationship and moving away from diet culture first and foremost, which really just frees up energy, reduces stress, and allows us to move towards intuitive eating calls it gentle nutrition, but really it just allows us to figure out what way of eating, living, moving works for us. So as you change and evolve, don't rush the process. So I think Sometimes the temptation of people that I work with is like, well, I got to figure out like the eating style right now that's going to work for me. I, that's probably going to impact the process if you try to rush it. So I would say just try to enjoy the process and 
and you know, you can absolutely learn to, as we've talked about on this podcast, like some great things to do that would would hopefully make food more enjoyable. Like take a cooking class that sounds really fun and learn a new style of eating and enjoying food. And because when it's more flexible, it's way more enjoyable. So I work with a lot of people who have like jobs that revolve around food or like they have an interest in food. Like that's fine. I mean, it, it, you absolutely can still, that's the cool thing about a non-dieting approach is it's so flexible and it increases your enjoyment of food and what you're doing. So, you know, it's always important to say that this is a tricky line to balance. So as a health professional, I have to say that as you're healing from a chronic dieting cycle, you absolutely can and will find an eating style that works well for you. And it's probably going to evolve over time. And it might be similar to what you eat now or who knows, like it could be fully vegan. Does I have no idea. I am not you, right? And, um, yeah, we have to be cautious. And so there's a lot of examples of this, but like if we think about like, could you ever be anti-diet or anti-diet mentality and do intermittent fasting? I feel like I'm asked that question a lot lately. It's all the rage these days, forms of fasting. But, you know, I'm a big believer in challenging statements that are extreme. So like this idea that you could never do that if you have a history of disordered eating or disordered relationship with food or eating disorder. I don't think that's true, but I do think we have to be incredibly cautious. So, um, you know, people like I, as I've shared, I have a, I have met criteria for a significant eating disorder. Um, I don't currently have any plans to ever try intermittent fasting. I haven't really had a chance to delve into it and learn as much as I'd like to from a nutrition health perspective, because I just like to understand it more. But if I ever did it, it would be from a very internally motivated place. I wouldn't have fears about doing it. I would really check in with myself. Um, right now, I just don't really have any desire, but I don't think that it has to be this blanket statement of like, this is contraindicated for anyone with a history of disordered eating, but I would be incredibly, incredibly cautious if I were you about doing anything like that because um I think especially with binge eating, one of the things that we know that's really, really useful is reestablishing that trust with your body, eating very regularly throughout the day and re-nourishing and re kind of giving your body this message is like, I'm going to feed you consistently when you're hungry, I'm going to respond to your signals. And not to mention, I was chatting with a nutritionist um, who works with autoimmune conditions the other day, and she was saying that it's it can cause a lot of stress to the body to do intermittent fasting. So I would be incredibly cautious and I would consult with many (laughs) books and professionals before, mostly professionals, maybe not books before I made that, that choice for myself. Um, But I've seen a few people that feel good on that eating style. Um, But it's, I would say rare where they actually seem like they feel good on it without rigidity I have one friend who falls into that category, but yeah, she also has a like very positive relationship with food in her body and that like eating a little bit delayed in the morning just seems to fit her lifestyle. So in that case, it seems to work. So I don't think it always has to be one or the other. So to sum up intuitive eating and the health at every size movement, which we'll talk a little bit more about moving forward, 
to me are truly just uh, not just, but they're important frameworks that make a lot of sense to me. Within these frameworks, my hope is that these challenging diet culture messages can free up more people to stop focusing on weight loss, start respecting and listening to their bodies and how to nourish them and make choices for themselves from an internal, autonomous, less pressured place. I will never claim to know the perfect eating or exercise style for you, and I think you should be skeptical of anyone that does. You are the boss of you, as Phoebe says in Friends. Um, even though it's an incredibly challenging, uncomfortable journey at times to relearn to trust yourself, it's very much a journey worth taking. So that's all we have for today. Um, I did want to let you know that there's a really great opportunity to support me and independent bookstores near you. So I just read a stat in my email this week that said, if nothing slows their momentum, Amazon will have almost 80% of the book market by the end of 2025. That is incredibly soon and sad for local bookstores. So look, I love the convenience of Amazon too, but I have a super cool way that you can support your local bookstores and my blog and podcast simply by buying books that you already would buy. You can choose any bookstore on the list in the U.S. and Canada. They plan to extend to other countries in the future. Or you can just let your donation get split between all of the stores. As of this recording, they've raised $15 million for local bookstores. And on my bookshop link, you'll see my absolute favorite books related to health and wellness, courage and vulnerability, and even my favorite fiction and kids books. But you can also buy any book there, and it's going to support local bookstores as well as my business. So... If you love what the Psychology of Wellness is doing and want to help us out, that would be wonderful if you could think of us next time you're about to grab your next book. My recent favorite was related to improving uh, sort of a quality of my life, a book called Digital Minimalism. Our family is actually going to do an optional, uh, optional screen-free August, meaning we use screens for work but nothing else unless we absolutely have to call someone. The opportunity here is really just to reevaluate the role of screen time in our lives and focus on what matters. Definitely a really cool book. I highly recommend it. So if you want to support, support local bookstores, please consider buying your books through Bookshop and the Psychology of Wellness link. You can find it in the show notes. Thanks so much, everyone, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable, and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard, and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.